Hello there and welcome into the Bad Fan Podcast. I am your host, Cole Carter, and we are so glad that you have tuned in with us today. To those of you listening along on Spotify, then I hope the audio is nice and crisp for you today. And if you're viewing this on YouTube, then go ahead and leave a like for today's episode. To those who are new around here, then we'd be honored for you to subscribe today. And becoming a bad fan is easy and made better by clicking the bell below this video to get notifications for all new videos. That way you're always connected with all things bad fan. Well, everybody, I cannot do this thing alone. Let's bring in my good friends and yours, Brandon Patesnick and Stephen Curl. Gentlemen, it's good to have everyone back together. How was the weekend, Brandon? It was good. The sun finally came out in Columbus, Ohio. Um, the sun and the warmth. And uh, I was enjoying every second of it. I'm a little burnt, actually, but it was great. Oh. Steven? It was great. Uh, busy weekend. Went to the Fox um, on Saturday with my family to go see a show. And then went to a wedding on Sunday night. So recording this on Monday. Worked all weekend as well. A little tired, but I'm excited for the show. Nice. <laughs> Um, and yeah, what about actually, you, Cole? Thank you, thank you. <laughs> I actually walked away a little bit burnt as well from the sun. Got a little bit of a kiss from it, but you know, mm-hmm. things are good. I'm excited to potentially see Steven this weekend for the big man. And um, yeah, not too bad around here. But we are, uh, as we always do, uh, we're going to take you guys, listener and viewer, on a journey through the world of sport, world of sports giving you an informative rundown on the headlines that you need to know and discussing our views that may go against the grain of normal fans. And that journey begins with the headlines since the last time we talked, particularly in the NBA. And most notably, a team that has far, let's just say, bombed expectations. The Brooklyn Nets become the only team in the 2022 NBA playoffs to be swept in four straight games. Certainly a shocker for a team that has been filled to the brim with NBA superstars like Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, uh, formerly uh, James Harden, that experiment didn't work there. Blake Griffin, LaMarcus Aldridge, a lot of notable uh, names in that Brooklyn Nets lineup and they failed to win a single game against the Boston Celtics who moved on to the next round. But this allows Ben Big Baby Simmons to get off the hook for playing hooky the whole season. Now we'll let him reset and see what he can do next season. But um, the Nets really, really bombed this whole season. I mean, this is a team, like I said, with all those names early on had expectations to run the East and to go all the way to the NBA Finals. But really, they fell flat on their faces and are now out of the playoffs. Brandon, you somewhat know about the NBA. Is this really a big shock to you at all? Maybe a little bit. Um yeah, I I don't know. I thought it might be a moment for Kevin Durant to actually prove himself. Um, even though they did have a super, you know, a super team. I hate using the term, but at the beginning of the season, James Harden left. Um, and maybe this was a moment for Kevin Durant to step into the spotlight. You know, I know he has Kyrie there, but Kyrie's had his issues all season as well. Um, Kevin Durant to just put the team on his back. I mean, you look at, a guy he's compared to a lot, LeBron James. LeBron James did it, man. <laughs> like he, he, he never was afraid of the moment. He rose to the occasion. 
Um, obviously not this year. Um, he's sort of been falling off, but I mean, not him, him himself, but the teams that he's been playing with, but like, I think there's levels to it. <laughs> and, uh, I think he, this, this season is a perfect example of where Kevin Durant is at still, but top five player in the world. Um, and maybe with a Kyrie Irving all year, it's different as well. Something worth mentioning, but yeah, man. And then I also saw I saw a tweet that was talking about like the money that they've spent and like the royalty fees. Um, is that the right word? Basically, like they're spending over the cap, the, so they the luxury tax. Yeah, the luxury tax. Sorry, and it's like three hundred million in just tax. If they if like like if they keep the team from this year going into next year, so. They might be even worse next year. I have no idea what's going to happen. Um, seems like that little experiment in Brooklyn didn't really work out, obviously. And, uh, yeah, a team with two superstars should not be going out in the first round. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think I heard a – I was listening to the radio, and I think Charles Barkley said a quote where you have bus drivers and you have bus riders. <laughs> and it seems like when you had these big teams that are winning you know, NBA finals like LeBron did – I would say most notably in Cleveland when he would take a team pretty much all by himself, he'd be the bus driver. You had mm -hmm. Golden State, even with that team with Kevin Durant, you know, I think Steph Curry was the bus driver, and I think Durant at that point was a bus rider. Mm -hmm. I don't think he has evolved since then to become the bus driver, and I think that's why we saw the Nets, you know, fall short of their expected goals early on the season and now into the playoffs they're out. So certainly uh something that they'll have to reflect on and if they can keep anyone together on that team, uh, they'll certainly have to figure that out financially. But Steven is going to lead us off around the baseball diamond with all the latest from Major League Baseball. Steven, you want to get us started on that, buddy? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I want to start off with the tale as old as time, and that's Angel Hernandez making bad calls for balls and strikes. Uh, um, yes. Yes. Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN. Um, the Brewers are playing the Phillies. And he was missing calls for both teams, not necessarily showing favoritism to each, each team. Um, There's a ball inside of McCutcheon that was just so far off the plate, rang him up. Um, and then to end um, to end one of the innings, uh, there's a ball lower outside corner on Kyle Schwarber um, that he rung up as well, where Kyle Schwarber just went absolutely irate um, on Angel Hernandez. One of the best... I think moments getting thrown out of a baseball game I've ever seen from a player. Uh, my favorite part of it was he stood on the inside of the plate, stood on the outside of the plate, and then raised his hand as if he was missing calls on left and so it was amazing. Um, but just goes to beg the question about these, these robo umps we were talking about before the season started about how likely is it, you know, is this a real thing that we're going to talk about? And even Joe Girardi after the game giving some comments of um, saying the umpire's job is, is very hard and very difficult and he doesn't blame them for missing them and all the more reason to get robo-umps. Curious on y'all's opinion on that. Well, I loved Kyle Schwarber after he had been ejected. He came back out of the dugout and made sure he was like, it's not even just for our team. You're missing it for both teams. And, uh, I mean, at that point, it's like the top of the ninth, and they're down like one or two runs, so certainly you could see why Schwarber was fed up. Um, 
But Robo-Umps, I'm so torn because in a way, I sort of like the human element involved. But I guess if the Empire's job is to get it right, then if a robot's always going to get it right, then I guess what's the point? But I don't know. For me, I just like the idea of having human error sometimes just because it brings entertainment value. But it seems that if these guys are indispensable, like Hernandez has become at this point when he's getting 88% of the calls right, you know, that's passable, obviously, but in a job that demands, you know, perfection and moments that are happening in split seconds, I think the range should certainly be higher than 88% for staying alive in your job. Yeah, and I think, remind me, I think this was the ninth inning too. It was like a one-run game, I believe. So it's like the 88% or 80% is not good, especially in that moment. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, Yeah, that's, he was so bad. I watched some highlights of it like all night. It was, it got to the point where the crowd like knew he was bad. And if the, if the general crowd knows you're you're umping a bad game, it's that you're bad. Um, You could just see like the, all the players like that would go up to, bat and just like saw the ball that was a ball and they call it a striker just like and like <laughs> everybody was i think um supporting kyle schorber when he went off um he also did it in a really good way he wasn't like getting like like i don't know what's the word trying to fight him he was just saying like you've been off over here 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 whatever all night both teams so that was sort of fun robo umps um i would love them actually but they will never happen because of the umpire's union. That's the same reason why Angel Hernandez still has a job. Um, so I think that is where it goes. But I would love Robo-Umps, to be honest. Yeah. Um, a quick thing, too, on that CBA agreement, there's a, a union made up of umpire association, players union, and the owners. So uh, maybe it's, it'll happen for balls and strikes, but um, – yeah, I don't know. I don't think it'll happen either. Another quick note, suit on that. Angel Hernandez was leaving the ballpark that night, and uh, a Phillies fan came up to his car door and said, Angel Hernandez, you stink and I don't do or something like that. And uh, <laughs> Angel Hernandez was just seen just smiling and waving from the car. It was amazing. Uh, we also had drama up in the Bronx. Um, New York Yankees playing the Cleveland Guardians. Uh, some drama in the outfield between Oscar Mercado and some Yankees fans. Um, I don't know if you guys got a chance to catch that, but Yankees fans throwing some trash to the field, throwing some trash talk towards the Guardians' way. Um, so much so, Michael Straw, uh, Guardians outfielder, climbed the fence and was yelling at Yankees fans to punch him in the face. Um, again, curious if you guys got a treat to see that at all or if you guys saw that. Yeah, because, you know, the Guardians are my are my second team. Um, and I, I, this was all over my feed. Um, it, was, it, came, it came after, is his name, Stephen Kwan, um, ran into the fence and he actually got injured. And I guess what, what tipped off the out, other outfielders was there was people, like, rooting for that, like, happy that he had gotten hurt. Um, and, of course, when you have your teammates back, that's not going to sit well. Um, you know, they were only, like, 15 yards from the fence, so they could hear everything. And um, there was a break in play to, to check on Stephen Kwan. So 
yeah, that was just crazy. That was crazy. And then like after the game, after they had lost, um, people were just throwing beers and stuff on the field at them. Uh, just absolutely ridiculous. But what do you expect? They're a New York fans. So, Ooh. I mean, I said it last week. I said, why would anyone want to be a Yankees fan? That was only after the whole Aaron Boone, walking Miguel Cabrera incident. So really, it only got worse this past weekend with the whole incident against the Guardians. It's like these Yankees fans are just the bottom of the barrel and are just despicable, yeah. really. Um, yeah, there's plenty of angles of videos you can see and hear of people, um, you know, making pretty terrible remarks, you know, hand gestures and all that. Very undeserving for those Guardians players. But, yeah, just ah, terrible, really. Yeah, it got brought up, like, why are you rooting, like, for him to be hurt when your team just went up in the bottom of the night? bottom of the ninth top of the ninth whatever it was um it was at it was at yankee stadium sort of been they just tied it what happened do you remember uh the break in the game um had they, they had just tied it or something something along those lines yeah, i actually don't remember yeah i think they might have just tied the game in the bottom of the ninth so it was like why are they rooting for the guy to be hurt and they should be rooting for their team to score um or that they did score and potentially they did go on to win um yeah yeah and obviously not all yankees fans are bad every every fan base has bad fans but i feel like there's more scum in new york than there are uh maybe anywhere else maybe maybe philadelphia as well we're having some shots fired here well going from something negative to something great miguel cabrera gets hit number three thousand um also joining the club of three thousand hits and 500 home runs um only seven or six other players in MLB history um, to do that. Um, yeah, so a huge monuments this moment for um, Miguel Cabrera uh, joining that club. And only active player is uh, also on that list is Albert Pujols with 3,308 hits and 681 home runs. Um, and I'm just going to go through this list of uh, these seven players. We have Hank Aaron, Alex Rodriguez, Albert Pujols, Willie Mays, Rafael Palmiero, uh, Eddie Murray, and Miguel Cabrera. Some all-time greats on this list here. Um, one of my favorites on this list, besides Hammer and Hank, I won't say that one, will be Eddie Murray. Eddie Murray doing it from both sides of the plate. Switch hitter for the Orioles, Hall of Famer. Um, I always pay attention to his career because Chipper Jones was compared to him often. Uh, being a switch hitter himself. So Eddie Murray um, doing it was crazy. Willie Mays um, getting all those accolades while also serving in the Korean War is absolutely insane as well. Um, but yeah, just curious of any names sticking out to you guys on this list. I think obviously Hank Aaron, just because he had hit the most home runs of all time um, and also accumulated all those hits. Pretty incredible feat. Uh, and then I have two that stick out for sure um, just because of their steroid use and accusations against them being Alex Rodriguez and Rafael Palmero. Um, both of them having, I think Palmero being involved in the Mitchell report back in like what, 2007 or something like that, yep. 2008. 
And then Alex Rodriguez, obviously, having plenty of scandals involved with him. So those two stick out for their achievements, um, just because they might have an asterisk next to them. But I just think, you know, Albert Pujols is still doing it at, what, 42 years old. And now to see Miguel Cabrera do it at 38 or 39 is pretty incredible. So, uh, yeah, quite the, uh, what is it, fraternity of guys to be a part of now for, for Miguel Cabrera. Definitely. I mean, if you're in, on a list with Hank Aaron, I'll say A-Rod, um, Albert Pujols, Willie Mays, in any, in any shape, right? <laughs> it's like if you're on that list, I think you're doing all right. So, um, yeah, good for Miggy um, to get his 3000 hit. It, it took a couple more days than expected. Um, but it, it did come through finally. And, um, yeah, I guess we're looking to see who's next. Yes. Looking to see who's next brings me to my next point. Um, who's next. So that was 3000 for Miguel Cabrera. Um, some honorable mentions that I want to say that are the next in line for 3000, but, will not get there sadly to say we have robinson cano at 2631 hits he's 39 it's really sad um in my opinion for robinson cano because he had two ped suspensions um and if you look at that cost him a lot of games and he probably would have gotten to 3000 he's not going to make it at age 39 Yadier Molina at 2,100 at age 39. Joey Votto at 2,000 um, at age 38. Nelson Cruz still playing at age 41, but um, he's shy of 2,000 hits. And then Elvis Andrews and Andrew McCutcheon are the next two names on that list as well. So it's you kind of look at this list of who's next, anybody anytime soon, and the answer is no, not anytime soon. Um, so I have a list here of some players that, realistically um and there's a lot of other names that i'm not going to include here that could definitely surprise but a list of names here is that are probably next in line um for this benchmark of three thousand hits um jose altuve over in houston he's 31 years old currently sitting at 1700 hits um right around there and then mike trout at age 30 the guy who I thought would be a shoe-in has dealt some with some injuries um, over yeah. his career, especially recently. It's been really sad to see. But age 30, um, he sits at 1,433 hits. And then real quick, I want to talk about Manny Machado. He has more hits through his age 28 seasons than Derek Jeter, George Brett, Eddie Murray, Roberto Clemente, and Pete Rose. Um all of those guys over 3,000 hits. In fact, Pete Rose with the MLB all-time hit leader at 4,256 hits. Gosh, that's insane. Which is insane, which is absolutely wild. Uh, Manny Machado, age 29 right now, sits at 1,446. And then just for the hometown sakes, I'll throw in Freddie Freeman at age 32 with 1,700 hits as well. Um, out of those four players of Altuve, Trout, Machado, and Freeman, who do you guys think's next? Next to join the exclusive club of 3,000 hits. This doesn't include 500 homers, but just next to 3,000. What do you guys think? Oof. I mean, you laid it out pretty well, actually. Good job on that, Steve-O. Um, I mean, Machado, as you said, him being the youngest and him being up there, I mean, he's a year younger than Mike Trout, 
But Mike Trout currently, like you said, dealing with those injury issues. Uh, Buzzer Boy Altuve probably doesn't have it in him to do as much. <laughs> I don't know. It just depends. I think him and Freeman both having a little bit more age on them. I don't. It just depends the longevity they have. I mean, Freeman has thirteen more, thirteen hundred more hits to go. He'd probably need a decade ish to go. Um, so he'd be forty two at the end of that streak. It's possible. I don't know if he'll be playing till he's 42. You know, he it was hard for him to get a five, six-year deal on his next contract. So it just depends if he gets that DH spot down the road. Um, Machado, I think, as you said, probably has the best shot that you laid out. Um, it's just crazy. Pete Rose had 4,200 hits. I mean, even Albert Pujols, that's 1,000 more than he has currently. Like, that's pretty wild. Um, put some respect on Pete Rose's name, MLB. Come on. Uh, but Brandon... he won't make the Hall of Fame though, even though he's one of the best baseball players yeah. we've ever seen. Um, that's a different conversation. Um, <laughs> I'd say, well, any of them, I have no idea. Maybe Altuve, um, because like they're though they seem like they're going to be the best team for a while, the Astros. Um, and if he stays there, I don't know. I feel like he'll always be on a good team for some reason. I know he's in the lead right now, but he's he's also at 30, age 31. I don't know. That's tough. <laughs> I mean, I think Freddie or Trout, because they can play that DH role, I'm sure, for till the end of time. And I think Trout's such a good athlete that he could probably play. He might be the Tom Brady, you know, of the MLB. He might be able to play until he's 45. Who knows? We'll see. Um, so I'll say Trout. Because I, I, I just I want him to do well. Like <laughs> I don't want him to be forgotten. Yeah. Um, because he's not really going to get anywhere at the Angels, unfortunately. I uh, don't want a career wasted, I guess. So I'll pull for Trout. Gotcha. I, well, I would say, say one more thing. I think a dark horse, and this is someone that's Ooh. at the very beginning of their career, is I think Juan Soto might be the guy. Just because he's still currently so young. And he's already producing, I think, a lot of hits. I haven't looked at his stats, but I'm just assuming I think he's had pretty high hit totals so far. Um, so he might be that dark horse just because he's going to have a young start to his career. And if he can stay healthy, he'll have a late go around to his career as well. So he'll probably have the best shot. It's just those guys that you know start when they're 19 years old, like Jeter did or like Miguel Cabrera did, coming onto the scene pretty young. So I'm going to say, you know, actually Juan Soto might be that dark horse that we don't have you know, thousands of hits yet. The next but, one to hit 3,000. I mean. That's what I mean. These guys might not hit it that are close to 30 years old. Soto might be the next one to do it because it doesn't happen that often. I don't know. That's just what I'm thinking. Yeah, I mean, uh, you touched on something really good there too because you also think about the hitting approach and how the game has changed of um, a lot more strikeouts. It used to be people in the MLB, you'd see a few people get 200 hits in a season, and that's just not the case anymore. Um, so curious to see, um, yeah, just people's approach to the plate. Um, got a power bat like Freeman. Is he going to buy into just trying to hit him more homers or going for more slap shot singles? So, yeah, it's just curious to see where the game will go. I think Harper is another good contender, uh, contender as well, starting his MLB career young like Soto. I think he's up there and hits as well. Um, that's a good call. But, yeah, I mean, that's all I got. I think we're going to be transitioning into our next segment. 
some champions. That's not what it the sounds champions. like. But I was just, <laughs> we're just making a segue. <laughs> Anyways, so we have some big matchups. We're down to the semifinals of the Champions League. We have Manchester City taking on Real Madrid in leg one and Liverpool taking on Villarreal in leg one as well. We will start talking about the Manchester City-Real Madrid contest, though. Steven, this is your dark horse. This is the team that you've been behind for the past couple of weeks and months now that we've been talking about the Champions League. Um, which team has what it takes to outlast the other one and make it to the Champions League final? Mm, both of them. That's why this is so hard. Good answer. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, no one's going to doubt Manchester City's um, capability. Um but I don't think it's fair at all to doubt Real Madrid's, um, even though City has the better team on paper. Um, yeah, honestly, this one's a toss-up. I think if any pundit or analyst says that they're 100% confident on this game, that they're feeding you crap. <laughs> this is going to be an exciting game. I can't wait to watch it. Um by this time, this gets released today. Um, mm. But it's going to be great. I hope it's an open-flowing game. I hope it's exciting. Manchester City sometimes plays this – we've talked about it on this a lot, this kind of machine-style, just kind of almost boring football at times. Um, but I don't think – it's. I'm curious to see how Real Madrid will – kind of respond to Manchester City and their plan of attack into the game. I don't know if Manchester City is going to be passive, um, allowing Real Madrid to maybe hold possession. I, I don't know. It, it, this game could go a bunch of different ways. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go with Real Madrid and support my buddies to go to the to the final. They've been my dark horse. Um, hopefully players like... Luka Modric have to be on. Um, Kareem Benzema is a given. Um, Real Madrid is, I won't say nothing without him, but they're definitely not Champions League finalists uh, without Benzema. So Benzema is a given. would love to see some magic from Modric in the midfield. Mm. Do you, uh, what do you think the score will be? Maybe, maybe we'll say that towards the end. Um, but you bring up a really good point. Yeah, I think this game will go, and we sort of talked about this on one of our previous podcasts, um, Cole and I did. But it's you know it's in Manchester. Um, they're not going to want to give up any goals, so I think they'll play very conservatively, um, more possession based, um, focus on form and shape, trying not to get their defense out of whack. I'd be very surprised to see Pep go for it in this first leg. Let's just mm -hmm. say that. Um, I could see a one nothing win Man City, and they would be completely fine with that, happy with that. I'm um, going into the second leg, but you know Benzema is that guy. He is that dude, especially this tournament. He's hot. Um, you know he will cause issues for Man City, I believe. Um, and like I mentioned before, Pep overthinks these games. Um, you know it's like a double double edged sword, like. He's so tactically smart and astute that he tries to do too much and then, you know, ends up falling in his face. So who knows? I'll say one nothing Man City just for my to get my prediction out there, but um who goes through? I don't know. That second leg in, in Madrid is gonna be crazy. We'll quickly talk about Villarreal and Liverpool and then I would wanna have I have a question for you guys afterwards. But um do you guys expect a dramatically different two sides you know you have a really contested real madrid man city 
uh, leg or tie. And then you have Real Liverpool. Do you guys expect Liverpool just to walk through this one, or do you think they have a challenge with Villarreal? Um, definitely a challenge with Villarreal. Um, Villarreal will play that defensive block like they love doing, but I don't doubt that it can be a zero-zero game leaving leaving this week. Um, it is in Anfield uh, in Liverpool, excuse me, at Anfield. Um, Villarreal, man, they got something going. I, I wouldn't have expected them to get this far. They've done it, so I will not doubt them again. Um, it might not be the most entertaining game to watch, um, but we'll see. Yeah, I think, you know, Villarreal and the difference between the Man City-Real Madrid matchup is Real Madrid and Man City have very much something to lose in that matchup. Um, and Villarreal have nothing to lose. They've, like Brandon said, didn't think that they would get this far. They're kind of playing with house money. Um, when you're open, like they're exceeding expectations. So I think, you know, if you're Unai Emery, you know, you're just trying to upset another giant here mm -hmm. and you're going to do anything and everything you can to do it. Whether that's making Jurgen Klopp steam on the sidelines, like a freaking kettle on a stove. <laughs> I can just see all these tactics, um, yeah. all these things at VRL that might try to, slow the game down and play at their pace and try to disrupt Liverpool. Um, so might be boring in, in a lot of certain annoying senses, maybe to Jurgen Klopp. Um, but I, I mean, I won't doubt Villarreal. I'm still going with Liverpool, but um, very different games on each of those semifinals is what we're going to get for sure. Will these midweek matchups detract Liverpool and Man City from their title race in the Premier League, you guys think? Hmm. Nah, maybe Liverpool, but City's so deep. I think we've talked about this plenty of times. They could play their third line of players and they would beat anybody in the Premier League. So I think it's maybe more on Liverpool because they do play a more consistent lineup every week. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't know. I really don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm not too sure. I mean, Liverpool has Newcastle, which is no walk in the park on Saturday. They're flying. Um, so it's not someone that – which is honestly kind of surprising that they're playing on Saturday, not Sunday. Um, but, yeah, I think I think you focus on the game that's in front of you and you kind of deal with mm – -hmm. you deal with on the weekend what's – what happens on the weekend. Um, so I don't think it'll distract them at all. And then uh, they'll come to it. It's the first leg too. So, and they're both at home. Um, so maybe both these teams, Liverpool and city might be playing. I don't think Liverpool will be, Liverpool will be playing conservative, but I mean, you just don't want to concede goals at home and you want to be able to go for it away. So right. I, I don't know, but yeah, I don't think it'll affect them. Cool. Well, beyond the Champions League, we also have the Europa League semifinals. We have West Ham taking on Eintracht Frankfurt. Those guys stunned Barcelona last round. Pretty amazing. They took over the Camp Nou and have just stirred the pot with that whole topic in general with Barcelona. Uh, people having their tickets taken away from them. All sorts of crazy things happening in Barcelona. Uh, not to mention that they've also lost three home games in a row for the first time in the team's history. So what a season for Barcelona. Uh Certainly, Xavi has a lot to figure out going into 2022 and 2023 season. RB Leipzig is taking on Rangers as well in the semifinal. 
Uh, if you guys had to choose one of these matchups to watch, which one would you guys be picking? Steve. Uh, I'd, I'd choose West Ham just because I would love to see them go to the Europa League final. I think David Moyes is a great coach, and I think this is a team that's underperformed um, in the Premier League. Uh, maybe not underperformed, but they're really in that top four conversation. So I want to see them come away with something, especially probably Declan Rice's last season with the Hammers as well. Oh. Um, at least that's what I'm hearing. A little bit of rumors, a little bit of stir in the pot for you. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would just love to see um, Premier League team go into the final of the Europa League. Um, but yeah. Yeah, um, not for $150 million. He will not be moving anywhere for that amount of money. That's what I've heard him be quoted at. Um, Yeesh. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely the West Ham-Frankfurt game. Uh, it'll be really cool to see if the Frankfurt fans will make the trip to London. Um, that would be crazy. Like we saw in the last leg against Barcelona, they took up like half the stadium. If like, it was insane. So that might be really cool to watch. Um, second leg, though. You definitely got to go watch the Rangers Leipzig game if it's close. Um, it'll be in um, where do Rangers play? What city? I think it's is it Glasgow. I was about to say I think so. Oh, I have no idea. Anywho, it's at Rangers next the second leg. So definitely check that second leg out. But, but again, both of these games are going to be very good, just like the Champions League. Um, all these teams have earned the right to play in the semifinals. So you can catch either of them definitely do it very good gentlemen well we are going to head out from european play and on to the premier league uh we've been talking about the premier league almost every episode and this keeps uh firing up with more and more drama as the games wind down we had a couple of big games over the weekend uh, we had some derbies and just some matchups that were ones that we told you to keep your eyes on we'll begin with arsenal versus manchester united and that one ended three to one. And Man U didn't look like total garbage, um, but De Gea and Ronaldo still proved that they're the best players available on the pitch. Um, but Brandon, what was your examination of the game? Your breakdown from it? Yeah, I was actually surprised to see that Man U was sort of up for the game. Um, it was at Arsenal, um, but yeah, the, the Man U players they were they were going for it. I mean, they hit the the crossbar. Um, Bruno had, it was, it was a tough one-on-one with the keeper, but missed it. Um, after I think Ramsdale like passed it right into the middle of the field. It was like a turnover very quickly. And he was like, Bruno was on the edge of the 18. Like mm-hmm. he just missed it. Um, so, I mean, man, you could have actually been up on this game, but, um, the first goal came in the third minute with Nuno Tavares, um, some very, very bad defending from Man U, which I think uh, we've come to expect. Did you guys see this this goal? Yeah, I believe De Gea had the save, right? It's a beautiful then, save, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, I think it went through Rafael Varane. Like, he whiffed it, and then whoever was the, the left center back whiffed it. Maybe, how was it, Alex Tellez? I have no idea whoever that was. Um, it looks so bad. <laughs> it looks so bad. Anyway, what we've come to expect. Um, and then in the 32nd minute, um, Saka gets taken down by Tellez. Um, there's a lot of confusion around this goal um, because Eddie Nketiah scored it after he um, Saka had got dragged down, but he was offside, so it came back. So the VAR review took like five minutes. It was, it was a long VAR review. 
then they were like, oh, wait, no, this was a penalty now. So then Saka steps up, buries the penalty in the 32nd minute. Um, he's, he's in form right now, I feel like. He's, mm-hmm. he's flying. Those kids are so good. And then old faithful answers right back, didn't he? <laughs> God, he's so good. It was such a good goal, too. Um, seemingly out of nothing, just in the right place at the right time. So much class. Cristiano Ronaldo. No, um, he's the problem. No. <laughs> um, scores to bring it back to, to 2 1. So it was two, two minutes later. It was in the 34th minute. So 2 1, uh, 34th minute. The game's on, right? Um, pretty back and forth. Um, and then in the 57th minute after halftime, um, there's a penalty to Manchester United. And of course, it's Bruno. Penandez, as uh, some Twitter trolls call him, uh, because it's sort of true. I'm just kidding. He's very good. Um, he missed off the post. He did his you know run up, skip, hop, and a jump. Um, went off the post, and right there, he sort of like the tide might have turned. The reaction from Ramsdale as he missed the penalty, getting up in his face, was pretty great. I love seeing that energy. Yeah, love seeing that energy. Um, also, the fans were great on the day. I'll give some love to, to the Arsenal supporters. Um, they do act like every game is a championship game, which is sort of funny, but it's it's great. It's great for the sport. So, uh, And then you either love them or you really, really hate them, I feel like. Um, sometimes he's a captain. I don't know if he still is now. Maybe he is. Um, Granite Xhaka puts the game away with a absolute beautiful rocket from outside the goal in the 70th minute. Um, did you guys see this goal? I did. Yeah. I saw that there was some some controversy about it because uh, there was somebody in De Gea's, like, line side or view. It might have been mm-hmm. Saka, I think. Um, they were talking about it a little bit after the game. But the goal itself, the strike was beautiful. Um, I don't know if De Gea was, could have saved it or not, but I did kind of see him peeking around because he couldn't really see uh, but Xhaka with a banger of a goal and no red card today. So it was, it was great. Great for him. Yeah. And like you mentioned, we're going to move on from this game. I think that was a huge result for Arsenal because that now moves them into fourth place. Mm-hmm. So I think they're up two points on Tottenham, who you mentioned Arsenal, their fans and those players, players act like it's a championship every game in and game out. Well, Tottenham and those players have been saying, you know, we have seven finals left for the rest of the season. In the past two games, they have not shown that mentality. Uh, they walked away from this game against Brentford with a 0-0 draw and really didn't look like they could have kicked this thing into gear at all. And really, if anything, it was just a show and display for them to want to re-sign Christian Eriksen back to Tottenham this summer. Um, but yeah, they were outshot 15-9, and Tottenham has to get this thing figured out. It's putting more and more pressure on that North London Derby on May 12th uh, against Arsenal. So we'll see what they can do. Obviously, Steve and I are rooting for them to pull it out. We need that Champions League for a lot of things. If Conte is going to be able to do what he wants to do, if Harry Kane's going to want to stay, a lot of people are riding on this top four finish and Tottenham has to pull it out. Otherwise, we might be in a bit of turmoil once again. Hmm. Yeah, uh, real quick on that game. Spurs back-to-back weeks with zero shots on goal. Zero shots on goal against Bri- – it was Brighton last week, right? Yeah, yeah Bright- Brighton. Brighton and Brentford. And it's 
just so confusing. It's so confusing. I just don't get it. It's, you know, Spurs look like we could beat the world, beat the double over City, and we just look, we look awful. And then, I don't know. There's just, even the whole talks, like I love Erickson to death, but it's just like, oh, like, you know, Spurs, should they, re- Spurs going to re-sign Erickson, all these like Spurs rumor things. I'm just tired of it. I want to cut ties. I'm sick and tired of, no, like that's not the answer. Or you see somebody like, oh, I miss Musa Dembele. I feel like every week, you know, <laughs> Spurs are missing creativity from Musa Dembele. I'm tired of that. Like, just a little bit frustrating, even seeing like, to Cole's point, I mean, the club could look insanely different. Um, started next year. I saw a rumor today that um, Conte was linked to uh, PSG and swapping managers at Pochettino come back to Spurs. Like, is this a good move? And just the forms that I'm looking at are just <laughs> ascending me through the roof. Um, I just have to get off my chest. Two weeks back to back, zero shots on goal. Zero shots on goal. It's yeah. unacceptable. It's pitiful. And Arsenal is. is going to wipe the floor with us if we cannot score, if we can't shoot a ball on target before we play them. So I just want just to throw that out there. But anyways. So far, the link has been the lack of, I guess, link up between our wingbacks. You know, having Emerson Royale back on that right wingback position after losing Doherty so for the rest bad. of the season he cannot complete a pass. I think he completed one pass that made his way to Harry Kane and Harry didn't obviously put it on target. And then Sessegnon, his inability to link up as well with the front of the field has shown to be our weakness, which is, you know, as we said, if we can get to that top four, that's going to be positions that we look to upgrade next season. But it just came that Doherty injury injury came at the very worst time, especially as we're fighting to compete. But at this point, it doesn't matter. You have to figure it out with what you have. And, that's on Conte to sort the boys out and for the boys to perform on the field. That's their job. And at this point, you know, if it's Harry Kane, leaving isn't going to help, big guy. Manchester United, they're not going to be any better if you leave. And if you want to go win trophies with Man City, your reputation will be soiled and it won't be worth the move. Also rumored, City seems to, if you choose what you want to believe, apparently Holland might already be close to a done deal. So... City might have already moved on from you. Yep. So, so yeah, Tottenham is probably where you're going to be, man. So, really, it's time to get those bootstraps tightened and get ready to fight for the fight for your lives these last five, six games. Um, but moving on from them, I know it's tough to think about sometimes, but uh, there was a Merseyside derby that took place between Everton and Liverpool. Uh, the bottom tier team being Everton and Liverpool fighting for contention for the title, two polar opposite teams going at it. And Everton in the first half stuck around. Um, Early on, even like the 15th minute, we were seeing whistles and cries for time wasting from Jordan Pickford. Uh, It was pretty funny, admittedly. Uh, At one point, I think it was the 46th minute into extra time in the first half, and he shot a wink to the sideline for his efforts on the ground. Um, (laughs) Him certainly making a name for himself and getting the ire of the Liverpool fans, but they did stay alive that first half. A couple of bright moments um, from Anthony Gordon to Mari Gray. Uh, They came close to scoring. Honestly, I thought they had the better opportunities in the first half, Um, but in the second half, that's where things started to turn, didn't they, Brandon? Yeah, yeah, and I think Demarius Gray's chance came in the second half, maybe. 
I think it was like the 60 something minute. Anyhow. Yeah. Anthony Gordon young. I think he's 22, maybe. Um, he's a baller. And I know we've talked about him before, but dude, <laughs> he was the only thing working on, on Everton's team. seemed like, um, running the flank, taking on guys, um, even diving a little bit. Yeah. Making Liverpool <laughs> make fouls on him, take yellow cards, you know, trying to do it all, but you know, it sort of fell short because Liverpool are just that good. Andy Robertson, um, puts in a beautiful team effort, um, in the 62nd minute, great team goal. Um, Pickford was flying across his line and like, if you watch it back, I just felt like he maybe could have done better, but it was just like a Pickford thing. Like he's like jumping and like just, <laughs> just weird goalkeeping things that I don't know. Or he's understand. a very mobile keeper that is questionable why he moves sometimes. I agree. Yeah. Um, so if you watch that back, if you get a chance, it was just odd. Um, and then Divock Origi, as everybody forgets about him because he just, he doesn't hardly ever play anymore. Um, but he scored in the 85th minute with a substitute goal, which came off of a bicycle. I think it was a shot, but he didn't get all of it. Who was it? Luis, Luis Diaz, I believe. Um, it actually was all of the substitutes. So I think Jordan Henderson played a ball to Luis Diaz. Luis Diaz bicycled it, trying to shoot it, but it was more of like a pass. And Divock Origi, the third substitute, <laughs> scored it. Um, so sort of cool in the 85th minute. Um, yes. Um, I the Liverpool just looked so good. They did look a little fragile, not fragile, suspect in defense, um, which makes me think that the game um, in the middle of the week against Villarreal might be a 0-0 game. Because mm-hmm. Liverpool does do this thing where they just won't score. They'll get chances, they'll miss them, whatever. Um, and they struggle to break teams down. Like Everton, Everton are bad. Um, I know it's a derby, but... Anywho, Liverpool had 83% possession on the day, 614 more passes, more passes than Everton. Um, and just to put that, you know, in numbers, 787 passes to Everton's 173. They didn't have more than wow. 200 passes on the day. Um, passing accuracy was obviously better for Liverpool. Everything was basically better. Um that's scary. I mean, I know Everton are trying to hang on for dear life, but that's scary, especially when you see what happened. Uh, <laughs> is it Turf Moor? No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Turf Moor with Burnley versus Wolves. Yeah, Burnley getting the all-important three points against Wolves. I mean, this is a team that's now, I think, won three straight or gotten – Seven of nine points, actually, since the Sean Dyche firing. Mm-hmm. Um, they got the great team goal in the 62nd minute. Vidra putting it in. Um, we've talked about this before. This is a team that's going to find ways to get points. They'll grind out results, do whatever they have to do to get those points. They're doing it now, and they're out of the, re- out of the relegation zone. Yeah. Um, it, they just do it, man. I don't know how. <laughs> And they look better under this new coach, surprisingly, a little bit. I mean, again, is it a bounce? Who knows? Like new manager bounce. But um, they just find ways to not lose. Like they just – they have a pretty good defense. Nick Pope and goal is good. Um, And they have a couple offensive talent that – 
I say talent very lightly, but they can get things done. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to throw this question at Steven. They're finally out of the relegation zone. I feel like we've had this question. I mean, this is to both of you really. We've been talking about it every week because it is such an, you know, it is such a big deal. Um, Burnley's now in 17th on 31 points. Everton's in 18th in the relegation zone on 29 points. I mean, good Lord, if you could even predict. I mean, it looked like Everton might not run away with it, but be safe, what was it, a week, two weeks ago? And because Burnley were losing games that they couldn't afford to lose, and then they fired Sean Dyche, like, oh, no, they're done. And then they turn around with seven points out of nine. Everton are losing. Like, give give a prediction if you can, because I just it's absolutely amazing. I love it. I'll say this. Uh, I'll give. I don't know if it'll be a hot take. I guess, but so Everton go up to play Chelsea um, this weekend coming up, and Burnley are playing Villa. Um, if Everton do not get a result and they lose to Chelsea, which is likely, and if Burnley walks away with three points from Villa, which I don't think will happen. Maybe I think they could definitely get a result. I think it's more likely that they get a result than maybe even a loss at this point against Villa. Oh, um, definitely. At least a definitely. point. <laughs> and so, but if they walk away with three points from Villa, I think, and again, I know Everton, I think have more games in hand still than Burnley, but yeah, I, I still think that's too Great a wall for Everton to climb mentally. I think mentally at that point, because the, the reality of the situation is, is that especially if Chelsea embarrass them, right? Like if Frank Lampard goes to Chelsea and gets hammered by five, four goals, and you look at your phone right after the game and you see that Burnley got points against Villa, you're just trying not to play games at that point. It's that's when I think the games in hand actually flips to a disadvantage of how are we going to, how are we going to find these points? Um, as opposed to, we have a lead. Uh, I don't know, but I think that's my hot take. I think if, if Burnley goes away, definitely if they get three points uh-huh. and Everton get mashed, I think Everton's going down to the championship. At this point, it just feels like the 60 plus year streak of them being in the premier league feels like it's inching closer and closer to ending it feels like they started getting their shovel out and digging out some dirt. And at this point, Burnley has created the casket and they're getting the nails ready to nail it in. And uh, Everton is going to go down six feet and we'll see when they can come back up. It's so sad. This is very visual for you Spotify listeners right there. <laughs> it is. Uh, it's so sad, man. Like, I mean, this, I mean, okay. So Villa went down. Newcastle's been down. Like are ever even leads. People think about leads that way. Yeah. Nottingham forest was like an original member, I believe. And they've been down for a while. Um, but like, is this the biggest team to go down? I think we were talking about how much did we talk about last week, how much they've spent on transfers in the past, like five years. It's like, yeah, I think more than Liverpool, more than Liverpool. I think it's maybe second only city. Maybe um, it's like, it's like half a billion dollars close to it which is a lot. Um, and you have some of that money still on the team. Uh, a lot of it actually. 
like it's gonna be so sad like i don't they might like not come up for a while i don't know i don't know though i don't know how that works to be honest like the parachute payments i think we've all heard of that uh, and i don't know enough to explain that right now but oof, if i had to say it's not looking good for everton it didn't help yeah. their case either that Leeds got points against um who would they play crystal palace crystal mm. palace i think should have probably won that game they had some really good chance the last half hour or so but Leeds held on to get a crucial one point so jesse marsh might be keeping those guys up and sending everton down as well getting the results that he needs to do as well so Crazy things are happening. We've been talking about it. We've been telling you guys anything can happen in this league. Top to bottom, guys can get results and teams will surprise you one way or another. Um, but late in the game, we had a London derby as well. You had Chelsea taking on West Ham, a team that we talked about earlier in West Ham, keeping their focus on Europa League. But they were holding on late uh, against Chelsea. We had guys like Timo Werner underperforming. But late red card for Dawson, I think it was a second yellow in the 85th minute or so, um, taking on, uh, was it Lukaku? Lukaku got the foul on. But Jorginho, with his stutter step penalty, was saved, making it look, I mean, it was a very, very bad penalty, making it look easy for the keeper. Um, But at the very end, at the buzzer, as you could say, in America, in the 90th minute, Captain America, Christian Pulisic, coming in for the perfect time to tap it in to get the Blues over West Ham, over the Hammers, and uh, looking to solidify their spot in the top three for the Premier League race, huh? Yeah, I'll just say that he's he's the American version of Cristiano. Uh, we joke around and say Cristiano. Um, he's LeBron James of soccer. I was just going to say no, I don't know about that, but he is very good. And Steve, can you tell us a couple stats that you, you brought up? Oh, don't mind if I do. <laughs> um, I don't know if Tuchel is looking at the stat sheet, but he better start. Um, Chelsea attackers with goals and assists per 90. Pulisic ranks second on Chelsea uh, behind Mason Mount. Um, Christian Pulisic with a 0.54 goals and assists per 90 minutes uh, behind Mason Mount's 0.81 um translates potentially to maybe should give this guy some more game time um again mason mount with more minutes and all that kind of stuff but you can't really argue with stats um where they're staring you in the face like that um so yeah Polisic coming on late great finish um and you see how much it means to him too um those celebrations is i think just kind of speak for his mentality um he loves he loves Chelsea Football Club. Injuries have been a big issue uh, throughout Christian's um, career, early on career. So hopefully he can get this run of form going and maybe get a start um, this next time around. So, but yeah, Christian, man, Tuchel, you better play me. <laughs> <laughs> I I agree. Maybe maybe his role is the. Not, he's not a super sub, but maybe it is like the substitute late on to try to go get something. Um, I, I say you play your hot hand and Tuchel obviously is not playing his hot hand. He's playing Timo Werner uh, at striker. So I think if we know anything about that, we know that dude is not clutch at all. He's not a very good goal scorer. Um, he actually whiffed, he whiffed one and I think it's the 85th minute 
of that game and then also had one from like a sort of a, an acute angle at the goal and just played it like five yards deep um, out of bounds. Like the dude was clinical in Germany ever since he's made his trip to England. He has not been very good. I sort of feel bad for him, but my puzzle piece with Chelsea that, I, that I'm like confused on of, I'm sorry, but Lukaku doesn't need to be on the field um, at all. In my opinion, you've seen Tuchel go with like Havertz even playing like false nine stuff with Mason Mount and Pulisic. Um, but uh, Lukaku's not even getting the ball passed to him. Like he's not even touching the ball. Um, Timo hasn't been consistent to say the least, but he has versatility out on the wing. He can kind of string together maybe some passes Very here fast. and there. Incredibly quick. Um and you see Lukaku start that I think started that game of 60 minutes is just nothing. Um so, anyways, that's just a little ballistic. You know, he hasn't done fantastic in that number nine role that he got played in a little bit for a run yeah. of games. He played wing back this year too. Like, yeah. I want to ask Brandon a question. What is Chelsea's biggest striker mistake that they have made within the past three seasons that is now going against them today? There's one person I'm thinking about. He might be very tall. And playing in Italy <laughs> under Jose Mourinho. Oh my God! Am I am I having a blank? He's, oh, he's a- thank you, thank you for pointing <laughs> this question to me. Um, I finally caught your drift. His name is Sammy Abram. Um, he is 24 years old, I believe, and he is the. T- I think he's the top scorer. Uh, I don't know if he's the top scorer in Italy, but he's a top scorer on Roma right now. He has over 20 goals. Yeah, he's absolutely flying, um, and he was really good for Chelsea too. Um, I think leading the list, especially when Frank Lampard um, was coaching there, um, on limited game time too. Like he wasn't playing; like he'd be coming off the bench, um, and he was doing well under Tuchel as well. So I don't know what Tuchel's deal was. He wanted to go spend a hundred million dollars on a striker who had a really good season last year. To be fair. Um, I guess didn't think it all the way through when you had a guy who grew up in the Chelsea Academy, went on loan. He went on loan to Swansea, went on loan to Villa, did really well in the championship with Villa, helping them up. I mean, the dude has is talking about Tammy has grit, man. He knows how to score goals. He knows how to show up, um, put in, put in the work. Um, I mean, he was scoring goals in the champions league for like he was doing it all. The weirdest, one of the weirdest transfers I've seen, um, yeah, they held on to Timo. They went and bought ninety million, hundred million Lukaku, and they didn't need it. Like, obviously. So, sorry. Thanks for letting me letting me vent a little bit. But yeah, I love Tammy. I think he's such a good striker, and he will be England's number two in the World Cup, like second striker, um, and maybe even get some minutes there. So, <laughs> like, you just wasted. I mean, I guess you got forty. I think it was forty million dollar transfer, but. It's like, at least he, he was scoring goals for you, so I don't right. know. Uh, yeah. I don't know. He's certainly a younger, more powerful apprentice if you're catching my drift there. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> enough talking about Chelsea. We're going to head over the pond to what we talked about this past weekend in our favorite league in America, mm-hmm. Major League Soccer. We had the Fast Five that we ran you guys through at the end of last episode, and our rundown began. We talked about D.C. United taking on the New England Revolution, that one ended 3-2 to two in D.C.'s favor. 
Steven had New England winning 3-0. Brandon had DC winning 2-1. I had New England winning 2-0. Brandon gets a point there. Steven said um, Josie hat trick, by the way. <laughs> no I don't think I said that. There's no proof. <laughs> no proof. Uh, I won't check the tape. Too lazy. Uh, no. LA Galaxy, they took on Nashville. Steven had LA winning 2-1. Brandon, you had a 2-2 draw. I had LA winning 2-1. I was saying a Chicharito penalty late. Turns out that was not the case. They got a goal in the 56th minute from a guy. I don't even know his name. <laughs> but the Galaxy got the win against Nashville. Orlando took on New York Red Bull. I watched a little bit of this one, turned it off after New York started scoring some goals. Steven, you had Orlando 1-0. Brandon had New York 2-0. I had a 1-1 draw. Brandon getting some more points once again. Those Red Bulls are good, man. Watch Keeping out. Keeping an eye on the East. The East is such a weird thing right now. I feel like Atlanta's still like in fourth or fifth place despite dropping another game. Kind of crazy what's going on over there. MLS Very... is bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly for right now. FC Dallas, they took on Houston in a Texas matchup, a Texas rivalry. You uh, two both had FC Dallas winning. I had Houston winning, just kind of the oddball. And you both got points there. NYCFC took on BPATS Toronto. That one was a 5-4 game. Holy Crazy moly, that's game. a lot of goals. Certainly the game of the week. Uh, Steven, you had New York winning 3-1. Brandon, 2-2 draw. I had a 0-0 draw. I was totally wrong. I was nine goals short of being close. <laughs> um, Y'all both had four goals in the tally, but still, 5-4 to four is insane for New York's favor. I, I, I was going to say, I think it was five unanswered until like the like 90th minute no that's crazy i don't know i forget i i have to go back back and watch it but it was insane it was, it was an insane game there was a there was a red card i think or two it was a two yellows so there's a red card in the game like it had everything really it was awesome kind of nuts nine goals is so many goals <laughs> um so at the end of the day the scoreboard looked like this steven had three of the five correctly predicted BPAT had three of the five, and I walked away with a measly one of five. You know, guys, y'all did pretty well on that one, admittedly, and I did not. That's okay. I was just trying to find some ways <laughs> to sneak in there and get some predictions. Yeah. My magic eight ball was leading me wrong. Uh, but you guys, something huge happened in MLS. Maybe not on the standards of everyone else, but a guy that we love to talk about. Something happened to him. Steven, what happened? Oh, the beloved honey badger of the MLS, Giassi Zardes. Somebody that Brandon actually got to see play in person when he was playing for LA and he scored a goal. Fun fact. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, Zardes. Gets- I've also seen him play for Columbus now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's true. Um, maybe yeah. you can go to Colorado next because he's <laughs> been transferred to Colorado for $300,000 in general allocation money. Um, yeah, this is something that I believe we talked about, or I don't know. I know that I've talked to y'all off camera about this. Um, I think you mentioned it in the early podcast about some, some drama in Columbus over this new kid coming up with Columbus and, um, Zarda is kind of getting awkwardly forced out of this Columbus crew team. Um, but also being too talented, um, to be sitting on the bench. So it looks like Columbus decided to cut ties get some money out of him and send him over to Colorado. It's really a deal. I think it's best for both parties. Um, Zardes, if you're not going to play me, you know, send me somewhere I am. Cause again, 
striker position on the U.S. men's national team is anything but convincing. Um, it's a long shot, but with Zardes getting playing time in Colorado every day, he walks away with 15 goals, gets in good form or something like that. He's trying to – He, I'll tell you what, he's trying to get on this U.S. men's national team. <laughs> Whether that can happen or not, I don't know. Um, but, yeah, this is a big move in the sphere of MLS. Yeah. Um, it shouldn't be a long shot. PFOX should be the striker, especially how he's produced this year. Um, but there's guys named like Haji Wright, I believe. He's in the Turkish league, I want to say, who's been in form, so he might get some call-ups this summer. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Zardes could get some call-ups this summer as well. It's a steal for Colorado, if we're being honest. Um, it makes their team a lot better. So I'm interested to see actually how, how this works out um, for Colorado, for Zardes, and then also for Columbus with, I think his name is Miguel Berry. Um, he wasn't bad last year. Yeah, he's been pretty good this year, scoring a couple. Um, but are you going to move on from the guy? You know, <laughs> you like... The guy that scored a lot of goals the past couple of years, I think, helped you win the the championship a couple of years ago. So, uh, yeah, interesting move, but I'm I'm glad we mentioned it. Absolutely, Brandon. Last little main topic we have here: What do the people need to be watching out for on Wednesday night? Yes. Yeah, so, uh, the CONCACAF Champions League. This is the North American version of the Champions League. Um, we mentioned this, uh, I think, last week, uh, maybe two weeks ago now. Um, but it is the finals. Uh, we have it this week. It is two legs, um, and it is Pumas versus the Seattle Sounders. The first game will take place in Mexico. I think we all here want Seattle to win, um, but Break going the up, curse, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and they really they easily could. Um, but Pumas is not a bad team, um, and this first leg is in Mexico. Um, the away goals don't matter anymore now that it's the final. But I don't know. I could see this game being crazy, like something like 3-2 Pumas or like 3-2 Seattle or something, like I, a lot of goals. I, I hope it's like that, to be honest. What do you guys think? Yeah. We probably see a more conservative leg one, and then I think that second leg is when we'll see all out. Mm. That's just me. Yeah, I think this first game being in Mexico is huge for Seattle. The fact that Seattle gets the second leg at home um, with everything on the line, regardless if it's a hill to climb or if they're ahead, um, I think Seattle goes down to Mexico. And I, I think they get the job done in both legs. I think they take both games. Um, Seattle is a team that hasn't looked like anything's bothered to them the entire tournament, if we're being honest. Um They've been in great form. And then Pumas is a great team, but I think Seattle know with Rudy Diaz coming back and they're kind of, I think they're only gelling more. Rusnak, a uh, new guy on the team this year. He finally scored a goal, I believe, in his last CONCACAF game. Um, but anyways, I think Seattle's going to take the cake. Um, I hope it's a great game. Pumas is an awesome team. It's a final that we wanted to see that we talked about, I believe, a couple weeks ago. We wanted Pumas in the final against Cru instead of Cruz Azul. So, um, yeah, but this is big for Liga MX um, if they lose this. <laughs> um, to let these MLS guys from out north um, <laughs> take this competition for the first time. Um, so, it's big for Mexico, too. Like, they care way more about this, the Mexican media than the United States sports media. Um, 
But yeah, I think it's fitting that hopefully it's Seattle is the one that undoes the curse. Um, just the real juggernaut in the MLS. So I hope they get it done. We will see what happens. It's just leg one. So next week we'll see leg two. Um, but yeah, that about wraps things up today on the Bad Fan. We have a couple things coming up. Uh, the NFL draft is happening this Thursday night. I think that's April 28th. The NHL playoffs are starting next week on May 2nd. And we have our gaming episode in production. So the Bad Fan Gaming Podcast is coming soon to you guys. Stay tuned on all platforms and media for that one to be dropping with your good friend, Andrew, Andrew and us together. Um, but yeah, thank you again for tuning in today, everybody. If you enjoyed today's time together, please get a thumbs up. It's free and only takes a second of your time. You've already made it this far. You probably enjoyed the episode. Subscribe if you're not already a bad fan. We're trying to get to 100 subs by the summer. So if you want to help us get there, don't be afraid to share this video with a friend. Uh, we would greatly appreciate it. Lastly, get involved in the comments below or on Instagram. Um, interact with everyone there and find us on Twitter where we have some spicy takes sometimes. Uh, the link tree that if you want to find everything is in the video description below here and in the Spotify description as well. Well, thanks again for joining us. I surely very much enjoyed today's episode. Uh, Brandon Steven, it was a pleasure to have you guys on as always. The trio making things happen. And everyone listening, we really appreciate you guys. But until next time, everyone, we hope you guys have a good week. Until then, it's peace out.